Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Hey, good morning. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning. Man, we're so glad you made it. If you're with us for the first time, we want to say welcome. Welcome, welcome. I'm, my name's Carrie. My wife and I, Megan, are the lead pastors here at the Movement Church. For those of you that call this place home, you look better this week than you did last week. And that's impressive because I can't see any of your faces. So I'm, I'm excited that you're here and excited about what God's doing. In fact, you made it to the right week. We are on part three of this series called Elevators. And uh, really what the series is about, it, the, the, the tagline is kind of ironic in nature, uh, that others have issues but you have options. All of us experience crazy in life. Uh, whether it's crazy decisions we've made, crazy that was kind of thrust upon us, or just crazy scenarios. And, and the good thing is, the good news is, we believe that the Bible offers a perspective on how to handle the ups and downs of the crazy seasons of life. And man, I would say the the first week we talked about perspective and and allowing the scripture to be the ingredients that shape our perspective. Last week, uh, my wife literally preached one of the best messages she's ever preached. Would you give it up for her if you're here last week? Come on. It was amazing. Um, Just on the scientific side of this and how science really supports the scripture and and uh, it was just a powerful, powerful message. And, and today we want to kind of continue on in that same theme. Not because uh, we're, we're trying to sell some crazy uh, equation, but just how do we actually make it through life in an amazing way? At the Movement Church, we believe, one of our core beliefs is that the Word of God, the Bible, is the actual Word of God. Not just a great book, not just a kind of a self-help book, not something that's inspirational at times, but... We believe it's powerful for right now. And if we pull from, extrapolate from the truths of God's word, then we can apply it to our life when we walk out of the doors. Because that's where church really takes place, is between Sundays. And, and we want to just challenge you as you're here to open up your hearts and lives to what God wants to say to you and to me. I want to read a, a passage of scripture today. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. And then I'll pray for us and we'll kind of dive in and see what God's trying to do. Can, can we do that today? You don't have an option. We're already in it. So check this out. Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through, I think, 16. And this is Jesus speaking. In fact, verse 2 says this. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed, verse 9, are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters of God. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 13 says this. You are the, what's that word? Salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it be, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under by people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, we thank you that you're here now and you want to do something radical in our lives. So God, we just give you the next 30 minutes of our lives specifically. And we give you permission to rearrange the furniture of our lives. To identify the things that we can or need to adjust or remove. So that we really can be a better follower of you. So, God, we thank you for what you're doing in our heart and in our lives right now. And we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. That just means I agree. That's, that's all that means. So, thanks for, for being a part of what's going on here. But the, the, today, the, the title of my message is Doors Open or Closed. Doors Open or Closed. How many of you took an elevator to get to this place today? Raise your hand. You are blessed and highly favored, right? That is a challenge in and of itself. We are so grateful they're doing construction on those escalators for 17 months going on straight. And it's kind of like, you guys remember the game Mousetrap growing up? That game where it had all the different... That's what it feels like to get to church. So you are truly a champion. And uh, this, the, the title of this message is Doors Open or Closed. Whenever you get to an elevator, or if you're on an elevator, you're going from one floor to the next, the doors open, and you have a choice whether or not you're going to get out on this floor or not. There's actually a button you can push to open the doors and hold them open longer, and a button you can push to shut the doors quickly. And so when we leave here, especially after second service, after we tear down and pack away the stage and the cables, there's usually about 25 of us that travel out here to this elevator. Uh, we've got children and strollers and Pastor Jeremy's got like his amp and his guitars and Matt's pushing like this entire road traveling case. I mean, it is just insane. And, and we go to this elevator that it seemingly takes 752 years for it to come to the top, right? I think there's somebody that's actually pulling the cables like this below, right? And so the doors open and this horde of people step into the elevator in fact, if you're ever around long enough after second service, I challenge you to take the challenge with us. If you are claustrophobic in any way, it is your personal nightmare. And so we, we crawl onto this elevator and we're scooting people in and you're doing this whole thing, right? And you're standing this, I mean, you, 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 I'm putting Listerine strips in because you can smell halitosis in the air. And, and so you're standing all cramped like this. And it was about six months ago, we were doing that very thing. And taking the elevator down to level four, which is LA fitness level to where we park. And, and about halfway down there, all of a sudden Megan jumps like, Oh my goodness. 
She felt this hand touch her back and she moved forward like this only to see little Tyler Gordy backed up in the corner like this. And his face was right about this height on Megan. It scarred him for life. Like he hasn't looked at Megan since then. And it's just been a, a bad deal. And he was like, he like tried to reach up and touch her just like this. And Megan, of course, is crying, laughing and Tyler's weeping in the fetal position. And no, he wasn't that bad. And all that to say, you can be scarred by the people you ride elevators with. Can I get an amen? Well, this is, this is the deal. The same is true in life that we actually have a profound impact on who we open the doors of our life to. And there is a profound impact on our life, the amount of crazy that we experience based upon who we allow to get on the elevator of our life. Or also, which floor we decide to get out of the elevator onto. You know, sometimes there are things that happen in life that are just crazy and can be destructive. But sometimes we invite crazy into our world. Sometimes, and I'm not just talking about perspective. I'm actually talking about the who. The people, not the band. The people, the people, oh, that's the generation I'm talking to today. That helps me. Okay. The people that we open the doors of our lives to. Have you ever been around an individual that it seems like no matter who they date, it's like knucklehead after knucklehead after knucklehead. And you're thinking I was the third knucklehead. We're married now. And no, nobody in here. Okay. Awesome. And it just seems like there's this dating history or, or man, it's like every time I kind of make it through this crisis, I encounter or spend time with somebody else whose life is spinning down in a spiraled flame of death and Hades, right? Nobody? No one. Okay, great. Awesome. We'll go back to the who. We'll sing some Bob O'Reilly for those of you that know. Oh, that's what's important. Great. So there's there's a profound impact on whom we allow into our lives. And sometimes I think We might walk through a season of crazy only to have the doors open. And it's like we step onto a landing that's just a fast track to more crazy. And today I want to talk about the who. Who are we allowing access into our life? What atmospheres are we investing a life into? And is it potentially causing more or creating more crazy in our life. I want to kind of pull from this passage of scripture that we just read. And this was Jesus like kind of first real sermon. It's called the Beatitudes. We could spend three years alone in this one small passage of scripture. But basically, this is Jesus saying, here is the blessing to the appropriate response to crazy scenarios that life throws at you. So here are the blessings When we respond appropriately to the crazy scenarios of life. That's what the B attitudes are. I want to take a few minutes just to unpack a few of these things. And we're going to jump down in a moment to verse 13. This is Jesus saying, look, crazy is going to happen. Crazy is going to come your way. Here's how to respond. And when you respond appropriately, there is a blessing that follows. Verse 3 said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus starts and he lays a great foundation that basically says, blessed are the people who recognize that they are spiritually bankrupt. 
that's the foundation to start with. That I have nothing and I am nothing without a relationship with Jesus. Jesus starts right there. That is a profound foundation. Many of us think I'm awesome. God's awesome. We're even awesomer together. Which you are awesome, but you're not that awesome, right? So this passage is saying those that are poor in spirit, that recognize they are bankrupt spiritually without Jesus. That's the best place to start. And he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Jesus deposited a fortune into your account. So you are no longer bankrupt. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage of scripture. So no matter what you've walked through or where you've been, all of us need a savior. All of us need a savior. That's what he's saying. So there's a blessing in recognizing that you're nothing without Jesus. That I am nothing Without Jesus, he goes on and he says this in verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And this word for mourn is, listen, the the New Testament was written originally in Greek and the Old Testament was written originally in Hebrew. And the Greek word for mourn is actually the strongest word for mourn they could possibly use. It literally means to mourn the dead, to mourn the loss of. Of life to mourn someone that is so close to you that you are grieved because they are no longer here. And I just wonder, have any of you ever experienced something like that? Maybe the loss of a loved one, or perhaps the death of a dream. To feel like there was a dream that you once had and it has since died, that things are falling apart. He's saying, Listen, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? comforted. You need to know this, that God allows grief into our lives as a path, not as a destination. He doesn't allow grief in our life so that we just wallow in this place of despair and grief, but no, it's a path. It's a reminder that the relationships that we are in have such great value to them. I'm coming up on the one year anniversary of my father passing away and And it's different moments of my life where I'm reminded of this. Just a few weeks ago at Easter, I just was driving home after church thinking, man, I'd love to call my dad and just tell him how awesome it was. And in that moment, there's mourning because he's no longer here. Is it because I hate my dad and our relationship is so horrible? No, it's because I valued him so desperately. It's a path to remember that relationships are valuable, that The dream that God's given us is valuable, but more importantly, that there's things on this earth that will not last and the value should always be placed in who God is. That's what the path of grief and mourning is showing. And Jesus is saying, hey, no matter what, I'm in this thing with you. Look at what 2 Corinthians says. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all what? Comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What's that mean? That God is going to take your pain and give it a purpose. 
Listen, have you ever been in that place where you're overwhelmed by pain and you have a hard time encouraging other people? It's like, oh, I don't even have the strength to encourage you because I'm walking through something so challenging. Well, what the scripture is saying is that don't don't worry. It's not going to last forever. There's coming a day when the pain you're walking through will actually bring hope to someone else who's walking through pain. God's saying there's hope. Don't give up. Be comforted. You're going to make it through this saying, and there will be a day when the pain that you're walking through will bring hope to somebody else. That's what this passage means, that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Check out this next passage in verse 5. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I don't know about you, but for me, this scripture sometimes is a hard pill to swallow. My personality, I'm very strong. I'm a driver. I'm direct. I mean, I know where I'm going. Follow me. We're going to do this thing. It's going to be awesome. Sometimes, like, get out of my way, right? Sometimes progress over process. Sometimes task over. Stop judging me with your judgy eyes right now. And so when I read this scripture, sometimes I'm challenged by it. Blessed are the meek. And so what is Jesus saying In this passage, let me read this to you. Check this out. Literally, it is impossible to translate the ancient Greek word for meek into just one English word. It has the idea of the proper balance between anger and indifference. To be extremely angry, but to know that sometimes you need to do nothing. It's the idea of a powerful personality properly controlled and of humility. So this passage of scripture is saying that even if you're strong, it's to recognize that sometimes you just need to be quiet. It's power or authority under control. Listen to this illustration. It's like a strong stallion that was trained to do the job instead of just running wild. So this passage, Jesus is saying, look, especially for those of you that are strong and driven and drivers, that's okay. That doesn't mean it's a a mark against your personality. It just means that sometimes there needs to be strength and sometimes there needs to be quiet. Humility. It just means that sometimes I need to start at every... Listen, it's one thing if something that I do causes crazy. It's another thing if somebody else brings crazy in my world. You see, that my response is like, let, let me, let's talk crazy for a moment, right? Anybody else in here? Or I'm just feeling judged like of epic proportion. This is great. So listen, sometimes I'm thinking, I can handle your crazy. Bring your crazy on over here. We're going to talk about this for a moment. And while my heart may be, need Jesus, God created me that way. And so what he's saying is when you feel that way, instead of taking the initiative that you want to take, just start by saying, God, how do you want me to handle this? There's a blessing for the appropriate response to the crazy that life throws at you. The scripture goes on to say all different types of uh, things here. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. It goes on and on and on. Jesus is saying, here's the blessing for the appropriate response to the crazy of life. Here's the blessing to the appropriate response of the crazy of life. And then he kind of flips the script. And he brings in this nuance. He changes the story and he shifts it from how you should respond to crazy. And he begins to talk about the importance of environment. 
In verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can it, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So Jesus is talking about the response to crazy scenarios. And this says, but remember, you're called to be the salt of the world. Not just your saltiness, but the God saltiness on the inside. Right? The purpose, the divine nature. And if you're not careful, the environments that you and I put ourselves in, the doors that we open and close to the people in our lives, actually have a profound effect on our flavor. And you were created to flavor your world, not the other way around. You were created to flavor, flavor, flavor your world, not the other way around. And yet Jesus is saying, be careful. Be careful who you open the doors of your life to will have an effect on that saltiness. Check out what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Verse 33, it says, do not be deceived. Another way you could read that is don't be an idiot. Bad company ruins good morals. I mean, that's, that doesn't need an, I don't need to talk about the Greek for this. Hey, don't be deceived. Listen. Bad company ruins good morals. Who are you opening the doors of your life to? Talk about crazy scenarios. It's one thing if I'm making stupid choices that are inviting crazy. It's another thing that if you're crazy, I say, yeah, come on in this elevator. There's room for you. Right? Are you tracking with me? Whom are you opening the doors of your life to? Here, there's some different people that I think sometimes we give access to flavor our life. And these are just kind of general generalities, if you will. And I think one of those is negative Nancy's. If you're here and your name is Nancy, please forgive me. This is not a knock on you. I know you are not negative. But I think sometimes we allow negative Nancy's to kind of flavor our world. And these are the people that say something will go wrong. Something will fail. And you know what? That seems too impossible. Don't go for it. Don't even strive for it and man it's counterintuitive to what God is saying about you that he's made you to give you a hope and a future right and sometimes we open the doors of our life and give those people access and it begins to flavor the way that we think and the way that we speak another one I think many of us allow into the elevator of our life if you will our cynical Sam's the guys say what's your angle what's your agenda in this whole thing I, I tend to be to lean towards the bent of being cynical I, as a driver, I'm always like, well, what's, your, what's your end game here? Where are you going with this thing? And so sometimes it's difficult for me not to be this, but if I get around other guys or gals that are cynical, man, it just kind of conjures that up on the inside of me and begins to flavor my life and my words and my heart. Cynical Sam say, don't let your guard down. I always ask the question of what's in it for me. When we look at the scripture, the antithesis is the way that Jesus spoke I believe he's the one that said, if you want to gain your life first, you must lose it. Negative Nancy's, cynical Sam's, Debbie Downer, right? I know it sounds silly, but it's, it's a part of our life sometimes. And Debbie Downers say, this part of my life is awful. That part of my life is awful. Every part of my life is just awful. And that's not even a, lining up with what the scripture says is part of what your future is. And yet, for some reason, we open the doors of our life to people like this on a consistent basis. And we invite crazy into the elevator of our life. And then we get frustrated that we constantly have crazy 
here. You know, another question I think that's worth asking is what is the flavor or the sound of our conversations? The conversations, the things that we're speaking at the water cooler, right? At the mailbox, at the pickup line, in class before I start my first class at Saddleback College. What are the sounds of the conversation? Listen, conversation has a profound effect on shaping your perspective, on shaping the flavor of your life. The scripture says so clearly that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be what? Saved. So there's something to the words that we speak and have power. Look, if I was to sit down with you over coffee and say, tell me of a time where someone said something to you that hurt and it penetrated so deeply that you still feel it. You can remember where you were, where you were standing, what you were wearing. Why? Because the words that are spoken have a profound effect on the flavor of our life. You see it in children all the time. A kid who's been told over and over that he's a mistake. You see it in their countenance, how they walk. When they make mistakes, I'm so sorry, I'm, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And you see some other kids who've been told their life that they're amazing. You kind of want to slap them too, but still. Are you tracking with me? And the conversations that you have in life on a regular basis really do contribute to the flavor of your life. Here's some things that I think tend to be a negative impact that we open the doors of our life to, that the conversations that begin to flavor. I think one of the biggest challenges is gossip. Talking about somebody else, usually with a negative twinge, a negative color, if you will, that isn't present there. In fact, the greatest rule of thumb for whether or not it's gossip is if you are talking with someone else about somebody who's not present, it probably is gossip. Well, what about if I'm talking nice about him? Okay, great. You're awesome. But maybe as a rule of thumb, we should just start by, if we're talking about somebody who's not currently there, it's probably gossip. Are y'all tracking with me in this Presbyterian church this morning? I think some, for some reason, this is, it's a part of our world, but it's crept into the church and it's become an issue because gossip is something that separates. It does not unite. Look, Proverbs 16 28 says this, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. It sounds silly to talk about gossip in this way, but gossip has destroyed marriages. It has split churches. It's destroyed nations because someone is talking about someone else who's not there. And that becomes the flavor of our conversation. And I wonder why it is that we lose our saltiness. And let me just tell you, if you are talking with someone about somebody who's not present, you need to know that they will probably talk about you in the same light. It's just going to happen. So choose to lock it up. Just shut down gossip. Shut it down. It's not worth being a part. Here's a question that's worth asking. Are you rehearsing the past? Or are you racing towards the future? Look at what Proverbs 11 says, eleven thirteen. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. What's the flavor or the sound of your conversations? What are the flavor of your, or the sound of your conversation? I think another thing that becomes problematic is complaining. I think we, we have found, it's like become this thing that we depend upon is complaining. And, and, and I would challenge you if, you, if you're given to or involved in conversations or opening the doors to conversations that has a lot of complaining, I don't care how horrible your boss is. If all you do is complain about it, my challenge to you is to crucify it. 
And I use that word intentionally because it's going to be very difficult to get rid of complaining. And the reason is, is because we love to complain because it takes the blame off of me and shifts it to somebody else. Complaining uh, prohibits me from taking ownership of the things that I'm walking through, of the crazy of my life. And it shifts the blame onto you as a spouse or a boss or a co-worker or an employer or an employee. And if if that's the sound and the flavor of your conversations, then you're opening the door to more crazy in your life. You're opening the door to more crazy in your life. Philippians 2, 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is complaining. Oh, just, if, well, if I was in charge, well, if I was in this, if, if something was different, she would just do that. If he would just do this, if, if we could just have this, if they would just give me a raise, da, 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 and we just complain and complain and complain, and then it's, our flavor is evaporating, and it becomes this crazy kind of dingy and dark and negative crazy environment that we live in. So my question would be, are you fixed on problems or focused on solutions? Are you fixed on problems or focused on solutions? My challenge to you would be to take ownership. Of the, of the life that you're in. And taking ownership doesn't mean that you are, you're, you're receiving guilt for something that happened yesterday. It just means that I'm taking ownership for a better tomorrow. So maybe crazy was thrown at you. And it would be easy to complain about that. But just choose to stop complaining about what happened yesterday. And focus on what's going to happen tomorrow. Stop complaining. Crucify it. What can you do to change or remove, or what can you do in the scenario? Take ownership for it. What's flavoring your conversations? What's the sound of the conversations you have with people that you work with? These are questions worth asking. Another one that I think is important is just the idea of immorality. And a lot of times when we talk about the word immorality, we think of, you know, the big ones like murder and adultery. And, and all, those are not good things. I'm not you know, downplaying that. But sometimes, really at a basic line, immorality is simply doing what I want to do instead of what God wants me to do. Choosing my will over his, that's what sin is. Choosing my will over his. Sometimes it plays a big part of the conversations that we have talking about things, joking about things that are just really not the right things to talk about. Look at what Ephesians 5 says. Verses 1 through 4. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Look at this. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Look at verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. What's the flavor of your conversations? And it's not just conversations between coworkers, family members, friends, neighbors. Sometimes it's the conversations that we have right here. 
Now look at me in the eyes for a moment. What I'm not here to do is talk about the mistakes that you've made in your past. But merely I want to bring attention to who or what we're opening the doors of our life to in our future. If it's gossip or complaining or immorality, whether it's conversations with people or conversations with myself, let's shut the doors on that sucker. We don't need any more crazy in our life. And you have a profound effect. You have authority in your own life and responsibility to decide who you choose to open those doors to. So stop blaming other people for the crazy you're inviting into your life. Are you tracking with me? So what are some things to focus in on? We're just a few minutes left in this service. What are some things to focus in on? Like, where, where do we go from here? And what, what do we do? Look at, look at what verse 14 says. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. You are light in the darkness, not a light going out. So let the light of the life of Christ be what shines through you. Let that be the essence and the sound of the conversations that you're in. As you build relationships with people, open the doors of your life to people who are deciding, I'm too, I'm going to be a light in this world. Don't surround yourself with people who say, I don't care about all that stuff. I'm only going to focus on what I want. You are the light of the world. So what do we focus in on? And remember, feelings follow focus. So some of this is going to take intentionality, and it will be difficult to do this. But here's just a couple thoughts that I have for you. Number one, provide a positive perspective. What a great place to start. Just looking for the silver lining in every scenario, at work, in the pickup line, at the Little League games, in your class at Dana Hills High School or Saddleback College. Look, just provide a positive perspective. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's talking about the the great things that are happening right here and right now. What a great place to start. Focus in on the things you can be thankful for. Another great thing would be to make hope your anthem. Make hope your anthem. Listen, turn on the news and tell me if they're making hope our anthem. Listen to a presidential debate. None of them are saying, this is a great nation. They're all saying, it was a great nation. I'm going to make it a better nation. And they're putting the hope in themselves. And they're saying, everything else is jacked up. But guess what? The only place we can find hope is in Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are. Which means God created you. And yes, we have mistakes in us. But he put you in an environment to bring light into darkness. Not to allow the darkness of this world to stamp out your light. So bring that positive perfection. And listen, let hope be your anthem. It's inspiring. It's inspiring people want to be around people who look for and exude and say there is hope for tomorrow. It's inspiring. Let me tell you another thing. Embody encouragement. Encouragement. 
encouragement. Choose to be an encourager. Sure, you might work with knuckleheads. Sure, you might be married to a knucklehead. But ladies, can I just challenge you? Instead of telling him the 87 things he's not doing right, just for one week, seven days, only tell him the great things that he is doing. You're awesome. Even if it's just one thing, even if it's half of a thing, doesn't even matter. Just focus in for seven days and tell, I'm just telling you right now, it'll change the narrative. It'll change the narrative. Focus in on encouragement. Encouragement. Choose to do that with your life and your words. You have the authority to choose whom you open the doors of your life to. Choose encouragement. Look at what Proverbs 16 says. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul. And health to the body. That's how we flavor the world that we're in. It doesn't mean you have to be ignorant and naive to the challenges of life. It doesn't mean you need to sing the song from the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. That's, I'm not saying that. That's ridiculous. But guys, there's crazy in the world we live in. Congratulations. You see it too. Give yourself a medal. So now, what are we going to do about it? Well, I don't know about you, but the Bible tells me I actually get to flavor the world I live in. The Bible tells me, Carrie, you are salt. Bring some flavor to your world. Hey, not only that, but Carrie, you are light. Which means that I get to change and shift the way that people see things. So look at me in the eyes. Stop allowing the relationships that you're in and the people in your life to bring the crappy flavor to your world. Are you tracking with me? I apologize for saying crappy. You choose whom you open the doors of your life to. Can I tell you another thing? Make peace the standard. Peace. Yeah, it's crazy and tumultuous. But you know what? We're not going to focus on that. God's our standard. We're making peace the standard. Megan and I work diligently to make our home a home with peace. So that when our kids want to come home, they walk into peace. So we don't bring strife there. We deal with conflict. But we don't create strife. I mean, let me just challenge you with one last thing. And then... We'll close this up. I've got about 10 minutes. The people that you and I open up the doors of our life to have a profound effect on who we are and the crazy scenarios in our life. And when we invite them into our environment or vice versa, it affects our flavor, if you will. So if people don't align with what we're talking about, then stop giving them access to your life. That doesn't mean you go to work tomorrow and say, hey, uh, by the way, Pastor Kerry told me I can't talk to you anymore. Deuces. But come to my church. We'd love to have you there. No, no, don't, don't, don't be ridiculous. Just stop giving them access to your life. 
Don't, don't go to those people to talk to the challenges you're facing. Go to some people that are going to be making the anthem of hope their, their language. Megan is like the perfect epitome of this. She's, she's going to encourage you no matter what. Like if your face just burned off, she's going to tell you you're beautiful. And she means it, right? So get surround yourself with the people that make that their anthem. Are you tracking with me? You choose. But the, don't, don't give the others the access to the environment of your life. Don't invite them into your presence, if you will. But the last question I have for you is, is this. Are you inviting the presence of God into your life? Are you saying, God, I just want you to be close. Listen, you can read the Bible, but not ask God to be here. You can pray a prayer, but not say, God, I need you now more than ever. You can attend church, but choose not to experience all that God has. Listen, it doesn't have to be weird or crazy. It's just simply saying, God, I need you right here, right now. I I don't have the strength, God, to be the, the husband that Megan needs. But you with me, I've got, you give me strength. You give me hope. God, I don't have the grace sometimes and the compassion that Brooklyn and Avery need from a father. But God, if you just come close, I need your presence here. I just need you to be present in the midst of my circumstance. I need you on my elevator of life. That simple prayer to say, God, I need you near changes everything. The scripture says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. What does that mean? That no matter what comes my way, I can still have hope. So the question is, are you saying, God, I need your presence closer and nearer than ever before? It's not a a specific prayer. It's just an attitude of the heart. And the great thing is in James 4, 8, it says that if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So don't just practice Christianity. Don't just don the doors of a church like you're doing God a favor by being in a church service. You're welcome, God. But invite God into the very fabric of your life. Open the doors of your life to him. Revelation 3.20 says, he stands at the doors of our heart and knocks. I just want to come in. I just want to be a part of your world. You have the authority who you open the doors of your life to. So stop inviting crazy in. And just invite him. It's not a one-time prayer. It's a daily lifestyle. Invite him in. It'll change everything. Hey, some of you are here today and, and you've never started a journey with Jesus. And maybe you're, you're wavering in your faith or not really sure where you stand. Or, or, or you feel like every time you pray there's a gap or there's just this void and I can't seem to push through that. And, and the Bible talks about that gap. It's called a sin gap. That all of us have it in our life. And it's a separator from who God is. And there's a consequence for this sin. But the Bible talks about Jesus who came to this earth, lived a sinless life, but died a sinner's death. Paying the price and the ransom for your sin and mine. Closing the gap. 
and allowing God to be radically a part of our life. And you can't eradicate your past enough or attend church enough or become a member enough in order to experience this. All you have to do is simply say yes to Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. If you're here and you've never said, Jesus, I just want to give you my life. I want to start this journey of you being a part, giving access to my life. Then right where you're seated, no embarrassment. Nobody has to know. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want to just challenge you in your own heart to pray that prayer with me. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, today is the day to come running back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If you're here and that's you and maybe you've never prayed this prayer, maybe it's time to come running back to God for the very first time in a long time. In your own heart, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me and you've given me purpose. God, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. All across this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, you've never made this decision or it's the time to make this decision for the first time in a long time, just make this statement. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.